Because money can't be the single denominator to qualify yeah. one as head of the household. Because if you have an idiot with a lot of money, <laughs> that idiot qualified to be head of your household. DC, CEO, want to change your life? Come see me, yo. I'm going to teach you how to build up wealth for your family. Not just for yourself, I'm a bestseller, a house flipper, a businesswoman, a gold getter, a big investor, a gold builder. I can teach you to get richer like millions, baby. You really about to fill your savings. You about to have multiple streams to pass your children, baby. Let me teach you to get your credit on track in the long run. You'll make it all back at Catalyst and watch it all cycle on your black gold firm, but we ain't all black Hey, hey, what's up? It's your girl, Constance Carter. It's Generational Wealth Day, and we are coming at you with a generation, generations, generational wealth of knowledge and information, and uh, it's going to be so fun. I don't know if you guys know, last week we had a discussion around gender, gender roles, and we're going to continue the discussion um, today. I want to introduce the team. So the first person we have coming up is Miss Dr. Emma Frazier. <laughs> Harvard PhD, mom, widow. She hails from Charlotte, North Carolina by way of New York City. Where are you from in New York? Brooklyn, Bronx. Queens and Brooklyn. Queens and Brooklyn. You hear the accent. <laughs> um, so this is Dr. Emma. Uh, Dr. Emma always has some highly intelligent things to say. And I love it. I love it. I love it. Next, we have Ms. April Sampay. Come What's up, on April? in the room. Hey, what one? How you doing, baby? <laughs> hey, April. <laughs> April Sampay is a real extraordinaire. Also, she is a consummate performer, gracing the stages all over the United States and beyond. Uh, one of the best performers I know. And she happens to be in Augusta, Georgia, Down by the way of Washington, D.C. What's up, April? Hey, beauty. How are you? I'm good. So, ladies, last week we had a discussion and we was talking about some things that got some people up in arms about gender roles, about money, all those things that, you know, are just just come along with what's going on in society. And then you have add on to that social media. You see all kind of craziness in social media, all them saying, you know, can't go have, must go have, if a man go have and the woman go like it's a lot. Can't take me to Cheesecake Factory. Got to give it up on first date. Like, it's so many rules to the game, and I have no idea what the right rule is. I only know what I can do. But what are you guys' thoughts on kind of the discussion from last week? You know what? I realized that a lot of people are angry just because it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's it. You have some angry people because it's Tuesday because – some of the things that people were saying didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to your point, can can a, can a woman go to the Cheesecake Factory? Absolutely. Take her to Cheesecake Factory. Why can't you? Mm -hmm. oh, that's what I got. What do you think, Dr. Emma? I think that we are so confused about the roles between males and females. Who makes the most money? Who's the baby daddy? Who goes to work? Who stays home? that this is a discussion that is so needed. And especially because of our secret guests coming on this week that can put their voice in. You know, as women, we always talk about what does a man want? What does a man want? It's a wonderful thing when you get a man and mm. he can tell you. Ooh, 
So I, I think that's a good segue. Let's let's see what the men want. Okay. So mm-hmm. let me let me bring the men on. First of all, let's bring on Mr. Aaron Page. Hey Aaron. Hey boy. Hey. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? So Aaron is a single dad, and he is also a compliance specialist, and he hails out of Greensboro, North Carolina. Not too far from you, Dr. Emma. Not too yeah. far from you. Yeah. So Aaron, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. And then Mr. Patrick Garland, who is an educator. Um, he, he's a career educator and someone who is committed, sincerely committed to the community. Um, and he also happens to be a member of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Yes, the cues is in the house. Um, so men, last week we were talking about, um, you know, men making more than women. And one of the things that was said was if a, if a man makes less than a woman, is is he still the head of the household? What are your thoughts on that? Head of the household. No, head of the household. How do we, first of all, if we associate money with qualification to be head of the household, what are the, what are the other qualifications? That's a good question. You tell me. Because money can't be the single denominator to qualify yeah. one as head of the household. Because if you have an idiot with a lot of money, <laughs> that idiot qualified to be head of your household. That's exactly right. What are your thoughts, Aaron? Um, I agree. We have to ask what is the qualifications of head of household. A lot of people go to the spiritual part. A lot of people go to who's in charge of the house or who protects the house. Mm. So so can a man that don't so say a man that stays home with the kids, can you can a, do you think a woman can sincerely follow a man that doesn't bring any money to the table? Is money the determining factor? Because that's what it seems to be in society, that money is a determining mm-hmm. factor for, um, you know, for the qualification. Like, can the man really lead you? Can he tell you what to do with the money if you bring it home to bacon? Can that man tell you what to do with the bacon? You know, I, I'll tell you, I, um, I've never liked, uh, I've never, ever really, really liked asparagus that's not cooked well. Okay. Some people do. So I think that when we look at relationships and what work and relate and what actually works in a relationship, we must stop looking at them through a linear perspective as though that linear perspective, you know, adhering to that particular perspective would cause it to work in absolution. That's just not true. You know, um, my mother told me when I was a child, every woman desires one thing and one thing only. And, you know, of course, like, you know, um, a well-endowed rabbit, I was all ears. What is it? So I said, what is it? She said it's security. But the problem with security is that security looks different to every woman. You know, so if you could figure out what, what makes that woman secure, then, you know, you'll not only deserve her heart, but be able to keep it. Oh, um, so with that being said, to a woman who has money, what is a man with a little more money? If you so that again, Patrick, to a woman with money who has real money, and when I say real money, money to be able to finance everything that she not only needs but desires, if she's lacking the one thing that she can't purchase, the most extraordinary narcotic in the world, and that's love. If a man can provide her with love. What good is his money? Um, 
are you are you ladies mesmerized? <laughs> no, no, because I want to ask I want to ask Patrick a question. Mm. Oh, go ahead. Um. So, well, I think we're talking about two different extremes: a man with no money and a woman with a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, and she doesn't have love. We see that story on TV all the time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mm -hmm. make a man without a lot of money and a woman with a lot of money two great people. No, it doesn't. Because my question would be, what can a man survive that? In other words, women do it all the time. Well, I mean, you know, I'll tell you, man, black manhood is complicated. Let's be clear. When, 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 when slavery ended and the so-called free man was allowed to function as a free man in society, most of us didn't want our women to go to work. Can you believe that? We didn't want our women to go to work, not because we didn't need the income. Clearly, we needed the income because most of us weren't educated and we didn't have the the political, the economic or the societal means to bring about um, to bring about many of the things that we wanted. So we wanted that woman to stay home so that she could reinforce the manhood that was taken from us. Oh, but, but that was what? denied us. I'm not. So with that being said, I think it's, I think it's a really, really, um, it's, 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 it's a really important balance that we have to walk when we talk about, you know, relationships and what works and, Oftentimes we talk about relationships and we make those relationships synonymous with money. But what about love? Mm. What about enjoying one another? What about respect? What about growth? What about the most important catalyst? I mean, what about the most important part of that recipe? Understanding. You have a lot of people that have been together for 20 some odd years in a quote unquote functional relationship and it's not functioning. It's just not. You know, I, so, I think. Yes, I think a lot of it. I think a lot of it has to also do with culture and how we're programmed. Once you realize that we are being programmed within this culture, and until you travel to other cultures, mm -hmm. you won't understand how those family units and everything function. Right. Because we are programmed a certain way. And once you realize, I keep on saying, once you realize that the man against the woman, it's never the man against the woman. It's about how the household is ran. Uh, with the example you, if the man is not working, who's going to protect the house? Because you can have a bachelor's degree, a doctor's degree, but if you hear a bump in the night, are you going to go down and check to see what it is while the man waits? Right. You know, I'm going to blame. I'm going to stay up here, honey. You go down there and check because I know you're going to handle things. No, that's not the way it should be. If the man's going to protect the house, he's going to protect the house but they're working together as a cohesive unit. So it's no competition, exactly. it's cohesive unit. The money exactly. brought into the household is managed by the person who has the best managing skills. Say that louder. Mm -hmm. So if they don't have, you can't manage money, but that's why they say two broke people shouldn't get married, but two people who don't know how to manage money should not get married. Right. And you see a lot with couples, oh, we got two incomes, let's get a new car, let's get a new house. Let's get new. And they accumulate all of this debt without collecting assets. But they did it together. And, that's, and they did it together knowingly. And the blind shall lead the blind. Mm. 
I think that what um, I think that what the issue is is that people do not establish what their roles are in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. One thing that so with my husband and I, that's one of the things we talk about on a regular basis because roles change every day. So today I'm giving you twenty percent, and tomorrow I might give you ninety percent. It really just depends on what your role is at that exact time. And I think that that's one thing that people are missing. And to your point, no, I'm not going to go out downstairs uh, with <laughs> because that is not my role. You know what I mean? I can't protect you. you the way that my husband can protect this house. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's really establishing what everybody's uh, position is, number one. And number two, someone said respect. And I, I think that we have to look at who needs what. So we were talking about, Patrick was talking about love. Um, women do need love. Men need respect. Men can men can go without the love as long as you have the respect. I'm not saying that a man wants to, but what I've learned- Men need that love too. I mean, and I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you don't need the love. Right. I'm saying that the thing that fuels the average man is going to be respect. So if tomorrow you're, you know, if you have a bad day and you're not getting all the love that you need, but if your wife is like, uh, you won't do this, you won't do that, you and belittling you and not giving you the respect that you deserve, then you're not going to want to stay or you're not going to want, you're not going to be willing to put in that work. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know if y'all are aware, don't let the bald head fool you. I'm all woman. Um, so I can't tell you about you, but I'm just going off of what I see in my husband and men that I have dated in my past that they want respect over anything else. And a woman wants love over anything else. Um, well, I've been widowed since 2008. And in that time, I had two relationships and both times. It came down to finances, which mm. they didn't have, and I did. Mm. And in the beginning, everything was okay, you know, with the stars and all of that. But the longer I stayed in the relationship, I realized that I was supposed to be the man financially, the woman uh, uh, emotionally, the woman spiritually, and then the man mm. when it came to getting things done because in my marriage i think it was you that said aaron who manages the money better i was the better money manager so we had all things in common but i got married at 19 years old we didn't even understand what roles were the vows were different then but since i was widowed and had uh two brothers that i dated it was horrific because they wanted what april said they wanted that respect, but they didn't want to step up to the plate because their thing mm. was, I don't have what you have. I don't, you knew that when, when you walked in my house, but you actually thought that because mm-hmm. I'm kind and funny and witty that I didn't see your game. Now, it took me much longer than a younger woman, but I, I can tell you it was horrific. I could not respect that lack of because I got it, you should have it. You don't even have to go out and get it because your story is, well, you got it like that. Don't ask me my story of how many years I worked and stayed in college and stayed up at night, but I had a partner that supported me in that. 
So respect is more than a word, it's action. Mm -hmm. How do I gain my man's trust and how does he gain my respect? It's 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 very complicated. But we are conditioned and in yeah. other societies, because I've traveled yeah, a lot, the man yes. has the the covering role of the house. Right. I saw it in Dubai, I saw it in Africa, I saw it in Jerusalem. There is something innate in the human structure. Yeah that men and i say this whenever i'm in the grocery store and i'm lifting something heavy i'm taking something to the post office and i'm dragging it literally on an old blanket when a man says can i help you i always say thank you and then i say i always believe in women's lib until we got to this moment <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me ask you this, Dr. Emma. So you said that, um, you know, when you, when you dated post you, you becoming a widow and the men didn't have the finances. And, you know, I think sometimes, you know, if you're a woman who has a certain level of finances, it's not to be expected that the men may have the finances. Would it have made a difference if they, you don't necessarily have to have the same finances. Because for me, you don't have to have necessarily have the same finances. I don't exactly. care about that. I don't want to talk about finances all the time. I don't want you to talk about my money, 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 money. That's not it. But if you step up in the role as a man, I am willing to follow you. It's not about the money. But I what, what happens is that a lot yes. of times men will get intimidated by a woman who makes a lot yes. of money and it becomes about that to them, not her. Right, but that's why I like what April said when she says on some days it might be 20%, other days it might be 90%. So when Constance, when you say step up in the role and it's not about the money, which role are we speaking of specifically? I'm talking about being the head, being the being the the provider. And I'm not mean I don't mean financially, I mean the covering. I mean that person is going to lead me. Wait, but so I, I just want to from a spiritual perspective then in, in this regard. Sure. Well, well Dr. Emma, emotional stability too. Absolutely. Can we talk about the fact that you brought up, like, you know, in different countries that you, you see a different uh, mindset? Am I yes. correct in that? Okay. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm learning this um, on a regular basis with people that I talk to who are from other countries. They talk about what they see, right? What we see on television is belittling to everyone, man and woman. Yes. Okay. But if you go in another country, you're right. not going to see you know, anybody put down, see put down the man. No, now no, it, no. Is, it is like, uh, um, it's it's the biggest thing to put down a man, to disrespect your man in public, on on social media. And I'm like, I'll be damned. The one thing, go ahead, please. I'm sorry, what were we gonna say? Come on, go, no, go ahead, go ahead. Go, oh. go, go. <laughs> No, I mean, one thing that I will never do, I'm not gonna disrespect my husband. I don't care, mm -hmm. you know, in public, in, in his face, I'm not going to disrespect my husband because behind his back. I expose him as my husband because I need to lift him up. What you say? You said not in public, not in his face. Only I was saying only behind his back? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, when you watch television now, when you what we see and what go. we hear is is constant is constantly putting down the man. And there is there no go. household, right? And so, from a child to grow, to 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 um, adulthood, we're as women seeing, oh, okay, that's how it has to be. And so, we have to consciously change our own self, our own mindset, there you go. understand that a man needs to be a man, 
and a man is the head of the household and a man need, needs and deserves the respect that he needs and deserves. And, and on the flip side, a man is not supposed to degrade women. And yet that's right. all we see. And so what are, what's happening? Women are degrading themselves. Yeah. Men are, are, are not stepping up physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Are not, they're not stepping up because they don't know how because they don't see it or hear it. All right. And, and, and April, that's so important. I mean, gender roles are taught. Mm -hmm. You know, in the, in the data. Taught. Or they're taught, they're taught or they're caught. They're caught right. by what people see. They're taught by what they are taught. Right. But what I'm saying is that they're, they're, they're taught, you know, and, and the data is clear. You know, um, single parent households are, yeah. are, are the majority. Mm -hmm. You know, and there, and there, there are a large cadre of young males that grow into older males. Mm -hmm. who never had the opportunity to experience men. Mm. You know, our genitalia is not what makes us men. Mm. It's character. Our decisions are what make us men. Mm, that part right there. You know, and um, with that being said, you know, manhood, if you don't have that man in the house that's not only an example, but also an instructor that's saying, listen, this is what you need to do in this particular scenario. This is what you need to do in that particular scenario. Um, in many instances, you simply don't know what to do. And like many people do in this game called life, they learn through failure. Yeah. They do. Aaron, tell you something. Oh, to speak to what you said, in a vetting process, when you meet someone, I have learned that I need to ask uncomfortable questions. I need to ask that person. What is their experience with their mother and their father? What is the relationship? Now, Patrick kind of, he, 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 did, he broke it down. What was their experience with their mother and father? What is their relationship with the mother and father here? Perfect example of Patrick's point. When I wasn't really involved like I should in my son's life, he came out the shower with the towel covering his nipples. And I was shocked. As a man, I needed to step up and let him know a man don't cover up. But he was following, just like Patrick said, what his mother saw. Right. So when the father is not there, for whatever reason, the father is not there, what is that young man going to copy? How is that young woman going to have a covering? When I hear that a woman has had a bad experience and no father is there, no, she's never had a covering. Sometimes I can understand her trauma better. Does not mean I have the capacity to handle it. Mm. I understand it. I believe in God and therapy. And maybe a therapist can handle it and I can't. So I know when to back off. But what is the relationship with your mother? What is the relationship with your father? Is your father still in your life? If you have children, is their father still in their life? What is their relationship? I'm not a therapist. I'm Baptist, but I'm not a therapist. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I know what I I can't handle and I cannot. Right. I mean, we were talking uh -huh. about, you know, how other cultures exist throughout the world. But, you know, here in this uh -huh. country in which we all reside, you know, the uh -huh. black family has been under siege since the beginning. Since yes. the first trip over. Exactly. Since the first trip over. We yeah. don't have to go. I mean, this is post 1619 since the first trip over. 
you know, um, the black family has been under siege and our destruction is quite profitable. I mean, when, we, when, we're, when we're speaking about our children, our children ingested a, heap of a heaping tablespoon of self-hatred every day. That's their diet. Yes. That's their actual social diet. You know, media. Mm -hmm. students, a student asked me today if I like some of the the young rappers that are out in relation to, you know, the things that they're doing. And my answer was clear. No, no. No, the answer is no. I'm not going to say that I like this rapper when they're speaking about the destruction of our community. I would call it art if white people were doing it. Mm. Mm. But they're I wanna, not. I want to. I want to touch on what Patrick said and right. Aaron because. Right. So what does nature prescribe? So there's case uh, nature versus nurture. Of course. There, and what are genetic roles if there's such a thing? Our genetic role is to make love one to one another and, um, you know, uh, reproduce children. Thank you. Um, also, our, also, our roles are to protect, protect female. Yeah, but men like to call themselves lions, but the data is clear. Who does the hunting? The woman, the, the, woman. the female exactly. lioness. Exactly. The woman. The, and I was going to get to that, Patrick. Mm -hmm. um, there was a case study in India, a village, and lots of elephants lived outside the village mm -hmm. and they lived harmoniously on occasion an elephant would wander into town and they would just shoo them away well they started having a great deal of ravishing going on in the village with mm -hmm. these young elephants running all over they couldn't figure it out i mean it was really bad they said something must have happened I don't know how, but they, they got a researcher and he came in, he went to the to one of the elephant tribes and he realized what was missing. The head male boar or buck, I forgot what they mm -hmm. call him. He mm -hmm. had been killed and mm -hmm. the young elephants had no one to monitor them. Mm -hmm. And so what they did was they took a, a a other male from another tribe that had more than one brought them to these young males that didn't know what to do because there was was no senior males to show them and the problem started exactly Stop. exactly i mean we live in a society now where you know young 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 black boys specifically you ask you ask your average young black boy what he wants to be he wants to be an entertainer or in the NBA, right? Uh, another form of an entertainer. You know, uh, you know when LeBron James made his statement about uh, George Floyd's killing, and Fox News made the arrogant statement of, you know, um, you know, dribble and run or something, something to that. Yeah, just, yeah, just bounce the ball. Something, Get something the ball. To that effect. Mm -hmm. That let mm -hmm. us into what they really think about us. Think about it. Yep. You know, um, so a lot of young black boys want to grow up to be entertainers because that's the only real image of success that they see. You know, when we were children, that's I had. To... I'm sorry. That's that's our fault. I'm sorry. I wanted to answer a question. Yeah, no, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's not their fault. Um, I, I wanted to answer a question to somebody in the comments. I'm I'm alien, <laughs> but I do think that that's more our fault. <laughs> it's our fault. That's our fault if because we don't we're not teaching the children what it takes to be successful. We're, they're looking at it like, OK, well, it, what's in their face on a regular basis is entertainment. Mm -hmm. 
So, but one of the things you know, I have, you're one hundred percent correct, Dave. And I also add this because I always talk about money, right? So I uh -huh. have been in banking for twenty two years, mm -hmm. my past life, right? And so what I've noticed is if I go in the hood, what they see, what they show their children in the hood versus what they show their children in uh, um, uh, uh, affluent area is completely different. Absolutely. And so what we have to do is say, listen, child, even though I don't know what this really is, I don't know what it takes to get here, but this is what success looks like. This is a CEO. This is a this. This is a that. I don't know what it takes to get there, but let me show you what success really looks like, even if I'm not successful. Yeah. I had a conversation with someone today and they were talking about how my parent was, you know, always into drugs and always into drinking. And oh. so they they put a spotlight on that and said that this is what you really need. You need this beer. So if that's what you're highlighting. Right. That's what the child is going to pick up and say, this is going to keep me successful. April, one of the things that happens is that, and, and your example is extraordinary. When you say what they're speaking about in affluent com communities in comparison to what they're speaking about in, um, you know, the average struggling urban community, within a 24-hour day in the affluent community, a parent may or may not have a little more than maybe five to six hours to sit down and have that discussion. Yeah, yeah. My parent worked two full-time jobs, so we didn't have too much time to talk. Mm -hmm. Because life was life and then people were people. Mm. You know, so, you know, we've lost our sense of community. Mm -hmm. You know, and unfortunately, we base Black parenting and Black family standards on a white model. And, and that's not necessarily fair. Mm-hmm. You know, when we said, you know, uh, what's going on with us is our fault. Um, unfortunately, um, a lot of people are just trying to get over. They're trying to get, a lot of people are trying to get over. And I'm, and I'm not in April. Let me say this and let me be clear. And I say this unapologetically because I don't speak from the person. I don't I don't speak from the perspective of someone who's achieved a relative level of success, which I have. Okay. This success thing is new to me. I'm still dealing with some of the trauma of the little boy who was in who lacked the control of my circumstances in my environment. So with that, but I learned how to love myself mm -hmm. in that space and in that place. There's a lot of beauty and struggle. So I say that to say that um, again, as I said in the beginning, my ideal person, mm -hmm. you know, my ideal spouse the love language that I speak and the love language that will allow the seed that exists within me to grow greater than I've ever known it is, um, is predicated on me being able to be the most authentic version of me. I don't want to play that role because the truth of the matter is that I may not even deserve the damn part. Oh. Oh. My mother said something that I believe to be valuable. She said, Patrick, never look for the per perfect person. And I know yeah. social media is going to attack me. She said, Patrick, don't look for the yeah. perfect person. Yeah. Find somebody yeah. just as screwed up as you and have a good life. Because at least you can be honest with you and grow in that space. But there's different, Patrick, between being screwed up because you may still have that little boy, I, Patrick, 
And when um, I say that, I don't mean that explicitly. You know what I'm no, saying? No, no, I'm, I'm addressing that. Yes. But there's a difference between being really screwed up. And I was in education for 33 years. And some of the things I heard parents say and did not do for their children was shocking. Oh, shocking. The, 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 the difference is you can be screwed up and stewed up. But what did you do about it? Or are you still in the stew? I don't want to be with somebody that's still in the stew boiling. You understand? Okay. I think for most black people, we all come from kind of a checkered past. I I, I know that I did. I was in foster care. It was horrible. Right. I know I left right. with post-traumatic stress right. syndrome. Right. But I didn't sit in that. Neither did I. Right. How do we get our people to get out of that? We all have a horrific story we can tell. Why do some of us step over it and the majority just sit in the stew? Because our destruction. Institutionalized racism, the, the degradation of our men, the killing right. of our boys. It, right, for sure. I mean, it was just like one of the comments that just popped up. Someone said it's too intelligent here. Can we get some arguing? Black confusion and black destruction is entertainment, even for black people. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! I mean, that's, that's, you know, I mean, that's that's, that's just the way it is. You know, and I say this unapologetically. Let me say this, brother, brother Aaron. Let me say this. Uh, you know, and I say this unapologetically. My name is Patrick Garland in real life. That's my real name. So I'm on this podcast hoping that I can say something to someone. That will allow them to see themselves in a way that's different than they saw it before. So if you're looking for me to argue for your entertainment, I suggest you try the A&E channel where it's white owned, white operated, white distributed and white manufactured because you're never going to get that from me. Period. Pooh. So what are we saying? Go ahead, Aaron. Oh, and, and going back to the program, the original programming starts at home. All of us do have a past. You have to understand, like I said, can I handle it? Is this something I have to deal with? Patrick spoke on something very, very unique that people don't talk about. When people get married, they don't talk about the part where you're coming home from work, sometimes this practice, this practice, this recital, this recital, and the husband and wife only has one to two hours to either interact or pour onto the children. That is reality mm -hmm. with two people working where is the time one of my friends because they couldn't afford daycare they literally work different shifts to save money on the child which means they're sleeping at different times but their marriage is strong enough that when they're able to work it out it comes together we as parents what we can do to correct and uh to correct this and other peers is come away from the program. I don't even watch the news. I don't allow my son to watch any uh, social, now what they call it, um, uh, with people reality. alone, VA, reality TV. I don't allow him to watch reality TV. He cannot watch Medea. I said, I'm tired of men in dresses. I said, I'm not doing that. It's not allowed in this house. I know it might be found funny, been found funny since Flip Wilson, but for me, you can't watch it in front of me. I don't celebrate holidays that much. It's not a big thing for me. My son knows I don't. 
But that's just the way it is. Without somebody there to instruct that to the child, it's like, what do you do? My father made me collect bottles and cans for 10 cents when I was in Detroit. And I did that at the age of 13 and 14. Had a resume at the age of 14. It instilled in me a work ethic. I knew my mother could beat my butt, but because she nurtured me, she couldn't end me. My dad said he would kill me if I keep on acting up. When I hit that that 14 to 16 stage that males enter, I hit that. He told me what he was going to do, and it stopped. Let me ask you two men this. Let me ask you two men this. How did your 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 former your formative years shape you as men today? So how did how did that make you as um well both of you are single, right? Are both of you single? Yes. Okay, so you both have children. Yeah. Both have children. Okay, so how did how you were raised, how did that make you become a man in you know in your relationships? How did you show up in your relationships? And then also how did you show up as a father based upon you know how you were raised? You know, I'll tell you, man, um, my father taught me one thing. It's afraid, it's, it's, it's impossible to love someone that you're afraid of. Hmm. And I grew up fearing my father. He was the boogeyman. <laughs> um, and when I say that, I don't say that from a place of you know, um, adoration. I don't say that from a place of admiration. I say that, I say that from a place of sheer terror. Mm. I learned how to become a man by being the opposite of what I saw and what I heard. And I failed more than I succeeded. You know, um, parenting for me was an amalgamation of running from what I saw and running towards what I dreamt of. And to some degree, my children were casualties of running from me. You know what I mean? I was the runner. You know, sure, you know, you paying child support, and let me say this as a disclaimer, paying child support does not make you a father. No, no. It does not. It makes you a donor. Hey, that one right there. You know what I mean? And um mm-hmm. I made a lot of mistakes, you know, as a parent. I really did. I made a lot of mistakes as a parent. And you know what I'm saying? My kid's mom did most of the lift so that I could be who I ended up becoming. You know, so when my daughter or my son say anything against their mother, I'll be the first one to say, wait a minute, listen, I am not the rock star. Because while I was sitting in a library prepping for the LSAT, she was cooking and making sure that there was a roof over your head and making sure that you got to soccer practice. I ain't playing no damn soccer. I'm from the hood. You know what I mean? <laughs> soccer for us was kickball on a city street. You know what I mean? So with that being said, you know, I learned how to become a man by failing at many efforts on what I understood to be manhood. And when I was young, I thought that manhood was almost exclusively based on money. If I'm making money, yo, I'm the man and X, Y, Z. No, I'm I'm just a male with a little bit of money. Mm. And um, that's that's my piece. I'll defer. What do you, what do you guys say, brother? Um, 
I'll make mine short. Mine's the opposite. Uh, my my dad was my hero. Um, I, my mom, they were never married, and there was a paradigm. My mom was angry, had angry tendencies. She was raising seven children on welfare in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Let me get that out of the way. So my dad and mom, they had a rocky past. He turned his life over to God. My dad was cool and calm. My mother was off the chain. It was times, because you asked how it affected me. It affected me in my 20s and 30s because when my mother was married, she'll say, you look ugly like your daddy. You got big lips like your daddy. Don't nobody want you. In my teenage years, it affected me severely. My dad, on the other hand, was telling me, put God first. You need to go out there and hustle and collect those bars and cans. God first, your father first, and respect your mother. Never said anything bad about my mother, ever. When my dad died, when I was 19, it left a huge hole in my heart. But I was in the Navy. There was no time to grieve. Mm. So I drifted a little lost. Everything that I needed to know upward towards being a man, fortunately, my dad was there. But I had to seek other positive male figures throughout my life that I could attach or glean information from because I still don't know a lot of stuff that I should have learned from my 20s and 30s that if my father was there, it would make a huge difference. But therapy, attaching to other brothers, us holding each other accountable, because mm-hmm. if they can't hold me accountable and tell me, I have a book in my nose, I don't want you around me. <laughs> I really don't. Right. You have to tell me and be accountable. Hey, man, you're not doing this right. I love you, brother, but you need to cut down on your drinking. Thanks. And my son watches everything I do. I had to change the way I date because he got attached to someone. So he meets no one now unless we're at a very, very serious point. Mm-hmm. And I explained to them, if you are crazy, I don't want you to know where I live because you could affect my ability to take care of my son. So we will meet in such a spot and such a spot because you bought on that crazy chick. But what my my mother did and what I learned from my father and me missing them, I got closer to my mother afterwards. We got a better respect and understanding from a parenting perspective. I chose not to choose all of the cussing and fussing with my son. So my son is 17. I haven't gave him a whip and a spanking since he was five. And that's because he raised his hand at me. He already knew it. But I haven't had to. My communication is nonverbal. If he hears me raise my voice, he already knows it's about to go down. His mother is going to nurture him. I said, I'm going to punch you in your chest. There's a certain way I taught you to be, and this is what you're going to do. But when I tell him, I don't tell him as an idle threat. I lean into him and I tell him, don't make me go there. So some people, would say, some people will say, uh, Aaron, that that's toxic masculinity. But let me ask you this. I want to go back. Hold on. Before you answer that, you said something yeah. earlier about um, about women asking certain questions. When you yeah. ask questions, does that disqualify a woman for you? How they were raised or their relationships with their parents? Does that disqualify a woman for you? Do you say red flag? I'm going to run the other way. Are those disqualifiers? Mm-hmm. Based upon the amount of trauma, mm-hmm. based upon the amount of trauma, because you will be surprised. I get dump truck on me. I'm not SpongeBob. I can't absorb your problems. And 
whether it disqualifies her or not, I seek to get a better understanding. So, and all of my and all of my seeking, I have to get an understanding. But I have to determine: Do I have the capacity to handle everything that she's been to? Has she shown that she recovered? Is this an issue she's still dealing with? If I don't have the capacity to do that, it's best for us to go our separate ways. What about you, Patrick? Uh, um, mm. You know, for, for for me, it's 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 a little bit different. You know, I um. I look at the world through a different set of lenses. You know, I um I believe in grace, giving people grace, and I also believe that people have the capacity to grow. And I don't believe that you know the traumas of your past necessarily indicate you know where you can go as a person in the future, or more importantly, where we can go as a couple in 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 the present in the future. You know, because there there have been a thousand times in my life where I needed to be forgiven and and be clear. You know, the things that I have overcome. I don't want to be reminded of in order for someone else to determine whether or not they can handle something that's never coming back. And if you stuck in my past, be clear, you don't deserve to be in my future. You know, so I, um, you know, so with that being said, I think that again, I'm all about people just legitimately getting to know one another from, you know, the, the trendy word called organic. No one know what it meant in the 80s, you know, but it's cool to use it in 2023. Um, you know, I, I legitimately believe in people getting to know each other, you know, from just a, a true organic perspective and having an opportunity to grow there. You know, I'm not going to view the magic of romance as a job interview. I don't, I don't you know, wanna, I want to, I want to, I can I want to add to that because I, I definitely agree because I know that everyone has their baggage and I, I, I have not had the, um, the, the, the privilege of dating a lot of people. My dating experience is extremely limited. And so, you know, my good friend, April Sampay says I need to go out there and, and date a lot. Date, 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 date. <laughs> Me, I'm of the, <laughs> I'm of the mind that I don't want to engage with a lot of people. I don't want to waste a lot of time with a lot of people. I just, it's just a lot. So the so I, I, I exert my energy um, very sparingly, and so when I do, um, you know, it has to be very it has to mean something. But I do agree with you in terms of giving people grace because people have their own baggage and people come from different different um, walks of life. I will say though, for me, um, I'm also very selective. Um, a- a- April, I'm a little I'm a little selective, so. Um, I get turned off extremely easy. Uh, so I, you know, I just, I don't give a whole lot of people a whole lot of opportunity, um, but there has to be something there initially that grabs me. And then if it does, I'm all in. That's how I am with that. Well, okay. So I'm going to say this for both of the gentlemen. I can see where both of them are coming from. Yes. Because if I have a child that lives in my house, I'm giving no grace. Um, because you know, you have that child living in your home. You don't want any of that crazy to come into your home. Um, But I also understand that all of us have been in situations where we've needed grace. It's just that sometimes that particular person that you needed to, that you wanted to give you grace is not the person that's supposed to give you the grace. So I think that everybody, I think that when you find the person that's right for you, that person will be willing to work with you, but they also have to be in a, in a mindset where they can work with you. 
I think that that's the biggest focus that every we have to meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's one of the things I'm going to talk about. The second thing is, as we talk about the men's situation I, from growing up, one of the reasons that I think a lot of people turn out the way that they do is because of structure. In this day and age, we have so many children that are lacking structure. And so when they get to adulthood, they when they have to have structure in their lives, they don't know how to deal with it. And so you end up with toxic situations you end up in toxic relationships because they don't understand how to properly work with, manage, deal with, uh, interact with the uh, the person of the opposite sex or same sex, depending on what your lifestyle is. Mm-hmm. But do you all agree? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I, mean I, I definitely see that. I definitely see that. I definitely. Yeah, yeah. Let me really quick. Uh, April sent me this video today, and uh, I, I want to get your opinion on this. When a man tells you he loves you, and he has not tried to upgrade your lifestyle or your well-being to put you in a better situation, he's just trying to love bomb you to get you to lower your guard so he can drag you straight to hell. To hell. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> you know that's 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 so funny. Was what was was she venting? I don't know, April. What was what was going on there? I don't know. Uh, Thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if she if she was venting, uh, you know, I, th- I think she was just kind of talking about her, her particular scenario. That's what I said. Yeah, I mean, I mean, consider the source. You you got on a. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna probably go the bootleg Chanel coat, and um, I'm gonna you know, uh, you know, just 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 the whole situation, you know. Come on, man. No. No, but no. see, here's the thing. Here's the thing, uh, Patrick, Aaron, no. um, Dr. Emma, and, and no. April. This what? is this is what seems to be happening all over the social media. It's it's that type of those That's types true. of conversation. Men right. Can I say this? And, and, and this is just me venting for a second. Can we stop giving stupid people world microphones? But they got oh. both sides. But what I'm saying, can we stop giving stupid people world microphones? Because we got more dummies with microphones to the world than we do with people who actually have something to say. And they're convincing uh-huh. people who have the potential, the capacity to become something great. They're giving them inadvertent permission to say, nah, just be as stupid as you can because ignorance is perfect. Yeah. Well, that's what, they do with, that's what they do with rap music. That's what they do in, in the Of course, that's what I said earlier. That's what they're doing with rap music. Yeah. You know, of course, that's what they're doing with rap music. You know, kids know more about J. Cole than they do about James Baldwin. Make it make sense. Well, J. Cole is, is better than, you know, one of these other guys. J. Cole has some pretty cool things. To yeah, say. well, even a broken clock is right twice a day, baby. <laughs> so what do you think about this whole 50-50 thing? Do you think, do you guys have any opinion on that whole 50-50? If a, if a man makes a, a woman pay 50%, then he ain't a real man and, and he's emasculated and all of those things. If what do you anything think is that? 50-50, somebody's lying. Right. It's never 50-50. I mean, it's it, it really 50/50. isn't. But a if a man, if a man has the woman splitting the bills, it's, so basically this is the narrative that's Ooh. being. Hold on, this is the narrative that's being presented. Uh, a woman, a man and woman, they both go to work, they both split the bills 50-50, But the woman has to come home; she still has to cook, she still has to clean, she still has to do everything else. So, a woman has to be, uh, she has to play her role as a woman, and she has to do part of the man's job because she has to go out there and, and bring home the bacon as well, as opposed to. Back in the day, when a woman got to stay home and do all those things, men had to go out and work, 
Now the women uh, have to go do the same thing as a man and do her womanly duties at, at, at home. What do you think about that? I don't believe that any woman should finance things that I can't finance for myself. So if I need to live in a $600,000 house, but I only have $300,000 money, you know, it's not your responsibility to give me that which I cannot provide for myself. Um, well, Patrick, I, I, I get that in principle. But what if you're married to that woman and she has $300,000 and she wants to contribute? You will not let her do that. Uh, well, you know, it's so funny you, you, um, you say that, Dr. Emma, I, um, and this is just, a, this is not a all black male-ism, this is truly a Patrick-ism. Patrick, under, 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 under the, um, the context of a Patrick-ism, I believe that financially a successful home should be based on one income, just in case one falls. So while we have the while we have the structure to have two incomes, I think that, you know, the person, you know, one person should save a substantial or invest a substantial part of their income. And then another person should pay the lion's share of the bills. I do believe that. Um, I think that, would that would that one person who pays be the man and the one person who saves be the woman? Oh, well, Constance, if if the man is making one hundred thousand dollars a year and the woman is making, I don't know. 375 a year uh we're going to probably have to look at it through a different lens yeah um but i do believe in a household being based on one income i do believe that you mean even if multiple streams of income are coming in that financially you structure the household around one income and the rest of it is for investing and saving and I do. I mean, because even when yeah. we look at someone, the, the world's most extraordinary investor is Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. He lives in the same home that he lived in he when he began. Drives an old car. Yes, he drives an old mm -hmm. car. You know, everything is, you know, this he said, if you're not making money while you're sleeping, you're doing it wrong. That's his that's his famous statement. So um with that being said. I believe in, you know, just trying to live within your means and invest so that you can experience outside of it. What about you, Aaron? I agree with him uh, to, a, to a degree when um, as a person is single, when um, I'm seeking a woman, I'm going by how she looks physically first. I won't even lie. So she can work at McDonald's. Your income means nothing to me. All she is bringing is, I got to buy more food. I got to buy me more electricity. And I can do this by myself. I can do it by myself. But I'm not looking at her income. But with, with the women's movement, women are like, I am woman, hear me roar. I went on dates where women have led with their resume, like a job interview. I've even been told to Google someone in the middle of a date. Google me. I was like, hmm. And she's late at work. She feels like this and this and this and this. But you're not at work. So when you come home, even if you have a more powerful position, it's not a thing of submission. It's showing respect. Whether I make this much or whether I make that much, that narrative is another narrative that's being spread to further separate the black family. I'm just being honest. Mm -hmm. I love it. The whole 50. It's, it's just another narrative being fed. And again, deprogram 
detox, detox, not your body, from social media, TV, and other things. You have to teach your children at home. Let, let me ask the men a question. Would you marry a broke woman? Yes. Answer, yeah. Yes. Answer McDonald's. Absolutely. Your money yes. you, could be, you could be rich yes. huh? How that how that how that woman how that woman carries herself, how she manages her bit manages her business, and how she looks, even in the natural state, is everything. Is is she fit or is she in shape? These are things that we look at. A woman doesn't go looking for a sickly man coughing all over the place. Well, I want a sickly man to bear my seed. Don't work that way. You go looking for someone who is strong or what's that? What's they say? Tall, dark, and handsome. Okay? That's what they're taught and programmed to do. You have to reprogram our children. I had to literally listen to some of these rap songs because I knew what the words were saying. And my son thought it was saying something else as he was being programmed. So I went on YouTube, looked up the lyrics, and I explained everything to him. I said, the song is masked off. He is not saying God to represent. He is saying Molly and Percocet. What's that, Dad? I'm glad you asked. Let's go look it up. What's Percocet? Why is he rapping about that, Dad? That's part of the program. He's a prostitute who works for the record industry. That's right. That's what he's doing. Yeah. His job is to do this because this is what the song is actually saying. Do I like the music? No, but I literally have to get in, dissect it, and break it down to him, even right. if he likes the beat. Yeah. All right, so Dr. Emma, you asked, would I, would I date a woman who was broke? The answer is definitely yes, I would. You know, um, again, you know, I've worked hard in my career to get to where I am in my career. So when I look at a woman, and this is, again, this is another patrickism. When I look at a woman, I'm not looking at a woman from what I can gain from her financially. I'm looking at what a woman is bringing to the table for me emotionally, spiritually. And be clear, we're men, we're animals, we're savages at night, physically. So, so Patrick, you, you make no, there's no connection between being broke and maybe, you, broke would indicate to me that what haven't you done? Why are you broke? And you know what, Dr. Emma, my retort to that, you have a lot of women who are, you have a lot of women who are successful that are broken. So my question to her would be, what have you done? What have you not done? What I've learned from watching a lot of, watching a lot of uh, YouTube, um, let's, say, let's just say YouTube, a lot of women use their accomplishments because they think that that is going to make men uh, desire them more. Oh, I could tell a lot you. Of conversation, well, I'm just saying, but if you have a lot of conversations, to, to mm -hmm. both parents' point, they will give you their resume before, as soon as they sit down, because they want you to see, this is what I've accomplished. Look at all of the amazing things that I've done. Now yeah, these hear yeah. me. When it's actually, let me tell you who I am. And I think that that's where that the piece. problem is. Most women aren't telling you who they are they're telling you what they have. Exactly. Like, can you roller skate? Do you like earth, wind, and fire? Can Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Yeah. Do you do you have nurturing capabilities? Exactly. Can you do I have to say that? Can you balance a checkbook? Because really, what does your resume do for him anyway? Nothing. Besides Nothing. Bringing money. What does it do for him? Nothing. Oh, recently, Nothing. I heard 
psychologically, spiritually, yeah. mentally. Yeah. Carter, you listen to this. What my brother George told me. Mm. He said, Emma, if you visit a man's house, you see no books and no newspaper, run. Because I can tell you, there's nothing happening in that brain. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, that's what my brother said. Carter G. Wilson said there's a distinct difference between having an education and being educated. Ooh. You have a lot of people with education that are just, uh, uh, for lack of better words, bumbling idiots. All that they can do is regurgitate what someone else said or did. Yeah. And they lack either the time, the capacity, or um, just the overall willingness to really make manifest of all of the wonderful things that exist with inside of them. And at this point in my life, you know, I'm, I'm most interested in somebody that I can talk to. And when I say build with, I'm talking about spiritual, emotional, and psychological building. The financial piece, I, I find that, you know, pretty easy to take care of. I, I watched a video the other day where the guys were telling uh, what they brought to the table. Mm -hmm. And the guys were saying, you know, this is how much I make. This is what I do for a living. This is how I'm able to provide for whoever it is that I'm with. I travel. I like this, blah, blah, blah. And so then they turned it to the women and they said, well, what do you bring to the table? And the women said, multiple women, I'm the whole damn table. That's what it is. I'm the oh, table. Yeah. Look at me. I'm gorgeous. Look at this. And if you notice, some of the most filthy, rich men have the butt ass ugly Women, we're not gonna say butt ugly, we're gonna say basic. I'm gonna go with butt ugly. <laughs> you can go with basic, I'm going to go with butt ugly. <laughs> and you know, they bring something to the table, they're bringing conversation, they're bringing humor, they're bringing um, they nurture, they they provide for the household as it relates to not necessarily money, but they bring something to the household. I look at yes. it like the man is the head of the household. We as women are the backbone. We can't move without each other. So how is how do how do we work together? And how are we able to present something that the man can't present? The, a man is not necessarily. I'm not saying that they're not, but they're not on average the nurturers. They're the providers, and they're the the um, the, the ones that have security. Huh? Well, well, she mentioned security. She mentioned security reasons. Okay, so I was watching one of these shows, one of the few times I watched TV, and it had a child predator. And the child predator said something very, very true. He said, I look for women who are by themselves, or it's just them and their child. If there's a man with my own master. So no matter how you may not like that man, just his presence being there can help to deter certain things from happening. Now, if he's intuitive, that's a whole nother thing. You have people parking directly close to your car in a darkened van with windows. No, they're not looking. Yeah, no windows, and they're not looking. The person you with, if they're intuitive, they're gonna tell you, "Hey, don't go there." Well, they shooting. They gonna hold your hand back. Oh, you know, accident happened. That's what my dad taught me, and that's what I teach my son. You have to be sometimes have a fight or flight reaction. I teach CPR. Everybody doesn't have a fight reaction, but that you shouldn't be punished because of that. But you have to deceive, you have to determine what your role is. And we're talking about roles tonight. That man being there, because men have been diminished in the household 
is everything. It's everything. They don't realize it says the light needs to be changed. It's a squirrel loose in the house. It's a rat in the house. Exterminator, all of this stuff. They don't realize it till then. And now they're saying, oh, we need y'all black men to come back. We've always been here. But like Patrick said, men have been battered down. So we can't let another decisive thing, even though it's an interesting subject, divide us because 50-50 is nothing but a divide. It is, it is, it is a divisive tool, and we have enough in our community. If, if you didn't, that's one thing. That's a word right there. We have enough division in our community mm-hmm. to keep us to keep us apart. Um, rather than all of this stuff that we see on social media, all of these relationship advice and all of that. I seen um, yesterday. I was looking. Uh, uh, this lady said, "What do I tell my new husband?" Because you know, I still have a relationship with my oh. ex husband. I still have a relationship with my ex-husband and I still, you know, I still look out for him. What do I tell my new husband? Um, how do I make him um, understand that I still look out for him? Not in a romantic way, but we still look out for each other. And the lady said um, unequivocally, you do not have a relationship with him outside of, you know, whatever you have with the children. Um, and so I, that advice for me is kind of foreign because I have my parents who are best friends. They're remarried and they're best friends and it works like it, it's fine. Um, if if my situation was cool, I would be cool with my ex, you know, and, and not have no, no issues and I would look out for him. Um, but what do you what do you guys say about that? Because again, everything works differently for different people. Some people are like, absolutely not. You cannot talk to your ex. Other people are, you know, for me, that's not a big deal. That's not a deal breaker. I, I expect for people to have relationships prior to me. Do you got to hate somebody because you're not with him no more? I don't know. I don't know how that works because I have not ever, ever had a relationship outside of my marriage. So I don't even know how all that's supposed to work anyway. Like, what do you guys think about that? I've never had a jealous spirit. And um, I think that when people are jealous, they feel like they're in possession of something that they either A, can't hold on to or B, they don't deserve. So um, if, if, if that's what you're doing and you're authentically being yourself, um, I'm giving you the space to make your own decisions. Now, if you choose to do something behind my back with him, then he is clearly your choice. And there's no, no, there's, there's not really a reason for you to try to hold on to me because I love me enough to know that I want to be with someone in the words of Marvin Gaye. I want you to want me like I want you. And if, if, if you don't, then we just won't be. I'm not going to be jealous. I'm not going to fight or go crazy or knock on your door, ask you why. Why is not important. In this particular scenario, the what is is important. So if your relationship with your ex means more to you than or has equal value to you, let me say this clearly. If your relationship with your ex has equal value to you, then you know, the relationship that you and I are sharing right now, then, then my love, unfortunately, this goes back to that 50-50 thing then, doesn't it? Um, But Patrick, yes. going by the gray in your beard, you are a mature male. I am. Uh, and of course, I would expect you to have the voice of reason. But I want to back up something about the, I think it was Aaron that said about just the presence of a male. So I I I live alone in a big house. 
whenever I call servicemen here, I just had my bedroom painted. I went back to Goodwill. I bought the largest pair of man pants I could find and a big pair of shoes and sat the pants on the dining room chair so you couldn't miss it and put the shoes where they could see them. Just so they would think that they're, because just the hint of a male straightens up another male. And that's what I, I call it my, I call it my make-believe, my make-believe male. Now, the guy said to me, oh, do your sons live around here? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just pointed toward the pants. Now, my son does not live here. But I don't feel safe if I don't do that unless I know the male. And even if I know the male, mm -hmm. if they think I don't have a male protection or covering, they act different. They act different. So there's I something to be said. Even a, a pair of pants and a pair of shoes can make a difference. And now, to, to answer, to answer your, your question, the example you gave was learned behavior. Acting from your parents, don't see why it can work. Unfortunately, that may not be the cause for everybody. You have to first des describe the relationship that you will have with your ex and what type of relationship, a text, a call, a letter, an email. How are you communicating to them? Mm -hmm. What type of relationship it is? And then I'm like Patrick, I'm not jealous, but I want a better understanding. So I want to assume. Let me know what's going on. And I won't know. Can that happen with everybody? No. 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 But that's what but that's what I said. You find out about, you ask the uncomfortable questions. You get to see it through the relationship, how they deal with problems, how do they answer stuff. I'm gonna, and I did learn that word from y'all, have grace <laughs> to to be more empathetic, but I do learn through observation and spending time. And the way they handle things may not be matched with you. Yeah. And you have to understand that. I've seen people overreact. I've seen people talk loud, over talk people, be rude. Hey, that's not my thing. I got to see if this is a pattern or is this just you? What affected you before? As a CPR instructor, I had one of those incidents happen last week where somebody was affected by me hollering and telling them, to do this job. They were affected so much that they snatched their arm from me as if to fight me. I backed off, lowered my tone, relaxed, and got another person to assist me. When they started working on the mannequin, I thought they was gonna tear it up. It was so much aggression and oh. she could have been triggered. She could have been triggered by something, but I knew to lower my voice, calm down, and I just talked, and talked her through everything step by step. But everybody doesn't do that. It is a vetting process with friends and with uh, your future mate and even with your spouse. Yeah, I think that I think the issue that 
is when we get these advice from these uh, relationship experts and gurus, is they mm-hmm. paint everyone with a broad brush and they tell everybody what's right for everybody. And it's not. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the biggest thing I, I can tell you what is right for everybody is communication. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what is right for everybody is honesty. I can tell mm-hmm. you what is right for everybody is love. If you have those things in, inside your relationship, then the other things you can kind of navigate for yourself and see what works for you. But I think we all we we're often projecting what we would do on everybody else and telling everybody else what they should be doing. And really, honestly, it's up to the person. What works for you is not going to necessarily work for me. But if I lay it out. So if I'm in a relationship with either of you gentlemen and we kind of talk about what that looks like and what our experiences were, because we, you know, we've been living 40, 50 plus years at this point. So we have our life, our lives and how we operate already. And so if we're going to integrate, there's going to have to be some compromises and some discussions on the things that we do, as long as we know um, where we are and um, you know, the, 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 our relationship and, and the importance of who we are, then the other things, you know, we can kind of figure out, but I don't think there's a, a, a hard rule on anything, to be honest with you, outside of, you know, uh, fidelity and things like that. You know what I'm saying? And Constance, you said something that's so important, you know, when you led with a relationship experts say, first of all, how do you become a relationship expert? <laughs> You know, <laughs> I mean, I need someone to point me in the direction of both the quantitative and the qualitative data that is required to become a relationship expert. Uh, with that being said, um, man, uh, I'm going to ask you ladies a question. Do you still believe in love in the same way that you did when you were 22? No. Why, April? He asked all of us a question. What's your answer? It's, it's yes or no question. I, I believe in love more than I did when I was 22. Uh, um, I'm, I'm going to say what Constance said, but maturity has, to, I can look back at all the mistakes I made. I can, oh my God, it, it's like a kaleidoscope. And I'm much wiser. When I stood at the altar at 19 and said, I do, I don't even know what I do meant. And there were standard vows then till death do us part in sickness and in health. Mm-hmm. At 19 years old, when I said that, the only thing on my mind was how quick can we get to the honeymoon? I, I didn't think, but when my husband got sick, those words came back to me. So I know more about love now Mm. lasting, sustainable, gut-wrenching love than I did at 19. I Mm. absolutely did. I'm older, I'm wiser, and I'm bolder. I'm so happy you said that. That's exactly where I was going, Dr. Emma. Because at 22, when I looked at love, I looked through love. I looked at love through a a lens of perfection. I realized now that love is not about perfection at all. It's about learning to accept someone in spaces that you might not necessarily be comfortable with, but your love for them is greater than your own pride. Absolutely. Mm. Love is an action word. Love is a verb, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's not just about how you feel it, but it's about what you do. Um, So then that goes to the question, what's more important, love or trust? Trust. You can have it without either or. You can't, you can't, 
You know what I'm saying? That's like, what's more important, carbon dioxide or oxygen? <laughs> oxygen? No. Ask the trees. Exactly. 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 No. So you're saying you can't have one without the other? No. They they engender both. It's like making a cake. If you tell me I'm going to make a cake, I'm only going to have flour and water. Where's the egg? Where's the butter? I mean, you might call it a cake, but it's it's terrible. Exactly. So I think if you're in love, you're, the love is the romantic feeling that you have. Oh, I like this person. But as you come together, the trust is the mortar that keeps the brick house together. That piece right there. Nicely. Yeah. 100% yeah. trust. Because. 100% trust. I'm, I'm joking. No, I mean, love is love encompasses trust. If you love somebody, you mm -hmm. trust them and, you, and, 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 and it exhibits all of the other fruits of the spirit. It's patient, it's kind, it's, it's love, it's understanding. It's, it doesn't hold grudges. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It, you know, it, it never fails. All of those things. So I have had all of those things, but never them all together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know what teaches you a different kind of love when you have children? Oh my God. They pull it out of your guts and through mm. your ears and it comes out of your eyeballs because the things that children demand of their parents is, is probably the biggest the biggest pull on our humanity that a person can have is that exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. How do you how do you approach at, at this stage, you know, for all the single people on here, that includes you, Dr. Emma, Aaron, and Patrick, not excluding you, April, I'm sorry. But how do you approach <laughs> um relationships at this stage, at this age, at this seasoned age that we all are in now? How do you approach relationships? How do you you know, how do you find the one? How, what are you looking for when you're looking for the one? I'm scared. I ain't even gonna lie about it. I'm scared. I mean, I'm scared, scared, big scared. And the reason that I say I'm big scared is um, me, my God. <laughs> What's in between your ears? Are far more far more value to me than what's in between your thighs, and um, I find that with with the average woman, getting what's in between her thighs is much easier. Um, <laughs> that's that's honest. True. Yep. Um, but it's hard to find someone to talk to. And it's hard to find someone to open up to. And it's hard to, you know, you know, the most intimate thing about me that, you know what I'm saying? The, the thing that I find the most intimate is 15 minutes after you make love and 15 minutes before you fall asleep. Pillow you, talk. That one right there. Yep. And you're just laying there facing one another. And you just start talking. And things start coming out that you didn't necessarily intend to say, but then it gets deeper. You wake up in the morning, whoever wakes up first, if it's me, and you roll over and you're like, oh my God. You know what I'm saying? I can't believe that this is happening. That is intimacy. 
and then we start building from that space. Yo, that's that's hard. I might I might win the Powerball tonight before I find that. <laughs> and brother, I didn't even buy a ticket. Exactly. To me, so love is more than intimate intimacy about me. It's intimate we. Mm-hmm. It's when the we takes over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you can yeah. look at that person and say, "This is incredible." Mm-hmm. They really love me. Mm-hmm. But whenever you, even when you say that about a friend, a girlfriend, they love. I have a platonic male friend. I never had one my whole life, even though I have eight brothers. I've known him for eight years. We've never held hands or anything. But he is so special to me because we talk. We actually talk. Mm-hmm. And there's no other agenda. I take him out on his birthday. He, it's a wonderful thing to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really a mm-hmm. wonderful thing because somebody mm-hmm. cares about you, mm-hmm. the you, the you that you want them to care about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. What, Aaron, about what about you, brother? What you think? Oh, I, I, I believe the pandemic, because you're talking, talking, the pandemic has made people scared. Um, introverted extroverted you do like she said you do have to come out um in my process i've never been married so a lot of the stuff y'all talking about love and trust i am hearing some for the you know first time you know and i'm in and i'm and i'm in my 50s but i have to go off of what i observe and i can learn from things 20s 30s and 40s I learned, okay, if I see a rabbit coming down, it's a rabbit. It's not a duck. I have learned grace, but I use a better sense of discernment, and I made a promise to myself that I'm not going to be with anybody because I don't want to be alone. I'm not going to be with you just because I don't want to be alone or I'm trying to figure it out. As a man, before I get into a relationship, I have to have a plan. As a leader, I have to go forward and do what I need to do. Because I want to demonstrate to this woman that I'm dating that I am a competent leader. So I had to learn a better sense of discernment and be more assertive. Because I was that guy that was like, wherever you want to go, I don't know. And it would take long and I'll be viewed as undecisive. So all I need is a theme or what you like. And I create, put everything together. We're going on the date. I plan out everything. Men, a woman don't even need to do that. But let me open the door. If they'll let me do that. And a lot of them won't even let me do that. They just bust through the door. And I'm like, and I'm running trying to get to it because that's all I know. Is it scary out here? Yes. You see people's avatars, then you meet them in person. It's a whole different thing. FaceTime has become a requirement because you learn. I've been catfished seven different times. I have to learn that I'm not going to get catfished as well. Well, I have to have it. Since you go all ahead, are, since you all are of a certain age, 
all, you know, every, everyone is, is very mature here. Would you, do you find that you are more um, comfortable and complacent with being alone? Are you okay with being alone? Cause some, I was talking to a friend one time and she says, you know, I, I'm okay with being alone, but then I found myself getting comfortable and I don't like the fact that I'm comfortable being single. You know, I, I want to desire to have a mate. Um, does that, are you comfortable? And is that, do you like being comfortable if you are comfortable? Are you okay if you never um, have a long-term situation? No. I, I can't only, I can't speak for myself. I can't miss what I've never had. So in some ways I'm comfortable because I can't, I've never had it. So I can't miss it. Really? Yeah. Mm. I, I miss it. Yeah. But I, you, where you, like I said, when I have it, I'm going to miss it. Do I look forward to it and have a better understanding of how a person can add to my life and make it better? Yes. That wisdom has helped me develop to that point. But in my earlier stages, there's a certain parts of singleness that I'm still active. I have friends, like she said, that male friend she has. I have friends. We get together. We fellowship. We talk about different things. So I get the intellectual dialogue that I need from them. I ask them to help me with decisions, shopping with my son. We're not a relationship, but they're my friends. And I go to them for advice because they're in my village. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Somebody said, the, somebody said, I think dating was, um, was easier, way easier before the internet. And April and I were having a conversation last week. Mm -hmm. And uh, what what did I say something about? You said, I thought you said everybody that, that you met was, you know, was nice looking or whatever. Didn't you say um, that? Yeah. What, because what, what, what? you were saying that um, and then you haven't found, like, every time you go out, you don't see the guy that you're, quote unquote, looking for. You don't see that nice man, that nice looking gentleman. And I'm like, I thought, you know, since you moved there, you've just been finding all of them, all of them. And, and one was online. Right. And so what I was saying was, well, you know, when you meet people online, you get to kind of choose, you know, who, who you who you swipe yes to. So everybody I swipe, swipe yes to was fine. Everybody was handsome and had great jobs and, you know, they own houses and all that stuff. Um, but when when I'm looking like, you know, when I go to the gym or when I go to the store or where it's 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 not the same thing. So to your point, it's kind of manufactured the whole dating experience because it's more controlled. It's not something that's as organic. It's not an organic thing. You, you know, the, the fact that you bring that up, I think that that's 100% true because I had to change my mindset, which is why I have the husband that I have. Um, I literally started dating for sport. Like I went on a date every day. I didn't care what necessarily what he looked like. I mean, of course, he had to be, you know, something he had to, he had to look ground and breathing. He, well, but he had, yeah, more than above ground and breathing. He he I had to be able to look at him on a regular basis, but he 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 didn't have to be that perfect man that um you had that 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 you have in your head when you're in your early twenties. You know what I mean? When you're in your early twenties, he has to be tall, dark, and handsome. He gotta be this, he gotta be that. He got to make this kind of money. He got to make that kind of money. When you start really looking at yourself, because I think that that's what I had to do. I had to look at myself. Am I that? No. And so when I realized that I wasn't that, I had to be more open to just experiencing people. And that's what I did. I experienced many guys. I went on many dates and I learned, 
okay, well, this is what men like, and this is what I like. Okay. I thought that, you know, that that tall, dark, and handsome man was the one that I wanted. And then when I actually talked to him, I was like, oh, you make my ass itch. No. So <laughs> <laughs> I would find, I found what made me happy. My man, I love the way he looks. I love the way he smells, mm-hmm. but I love the pillow talk. I love our conversations. Yeah. And our interactions and he makes me want to be a better person and so i think that that's what we're missing is somebody finding the person that makes us want to be better people for them yeah i yeah. think it's really about yeah. how if you know how to add value in the people's life i'm gonna let you talk patrick but adding value like being intentional about what you can do and how you can serve somebody else and i think you know it should, definitely should be reciprocated you'll know off top if they're going to be reciprocating that to you but i look I look at I look at you know who he is, but I want to I want to have somebody that I can add value and something do something meaningful yeah. for them. Yeah, you know it's so funny, man. I think that the internet has definitely been an impediment to dating because, to some degree, the internet has convinced people who are experiencing successful relationships that they're failures. Mm. Oh, um, because it doesn't look the way that a lot of exceptionally unsuccessful relationships are glamorized. Absolutely. You know, and and, and not just that. I I think that the advent of the internet has given us a self-inflated version of the world. And ourselves. And ourselves. And ourselves. And that's what I'm saying. And ourselves. Like, is is not that deep. I mean, think about it. When we were when we were children and we would go to adult parties and you know, for the young people that are on the line, when we were kids and we went to adult parties, be clear, we were not allowed in the room with adults. Mm-hmm. We had what? to go into what a back room. Exactly. We may or may not have been given food and we had to tiptoe to the bathroom if we went. Um yep. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. But when we listened to them speak, you know what they weren't talking about? this because they had it they had it and or and they didn't know that they didn't in other words everything on such scrutiny who can stand up against the magnifying glass of looking at everybody's fault and what they do it's who if we really looked at social media and believed exactly. it none of us would have a relationship well, exactly. that's true Again, if let's go back to that scenario. What was on TV back then? What was what was on the magazine? Or leave it to Beaver. Uh, Cosby Show. To you, okay. So it, when I was a child, it was the Cosby Show. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? That was we literally, as a family, would come together and watch this show together as a family. Yes. And to your point, as it relates to. The, the groups, what are they talking about? They're talking about amazing things that they read earlier that day, amazing things that they did earlier that day. We're talking about, oh, yeah, I saw a 30 second clip, not even 30 seconds. I saw a 10 second clip. Exactly. You know, and I mean, yeah, we're not yeah. growing. We're not growing our minds, but we're also not growing each, you know, together. And we're back then we were looking at things that were uplifting. Now we don't look at anything uplifting. We see a gazillion things in five minutes and they're all telling us that we ain't worth it 
Exactly. I mean, we're, we're and, and then and let me say this, and, and I know a lot of people are going to be really angry with me. Oh, man, I know they're going to be angry with me. Going to the gym does not make you a better person. All right. Now, Patrick, you, you know, you're going to be put out of the country. And, and that's OK. Going to the gym does not make you a better person. You have a lot of people who are physically fit and mentally ill. You know, so we're more, you know, I believe that, you know, the advent of the Internet and social media has has convinced us that our appearance is more valuable than our contribution. And that's not not good. That's where the value is added. So exactly. I oh, mean, even oh, even like when I look at I'm going to be honest with you. And, and again, this is going to be relatively controversial. Oh, I love black women. You know, a white woman asked me one time, she's like, oh, my God, you're so handsome. What type of women do you like? Or I said, I like my women like I like my coffee. Dark. <laughs> well, you know, I like a little cream in my coffee, too. But <laughs> <laughs> So with that being said, um, with that being said, that no, I don't believe that there's any love like the love that a black woman can give you. And I say that unapologetically. But I really want to know how black women feel about themselves. Like what has convinced her to believe that she, as a woman, without the hair, the lashes, the weaves, the broken vernacular that you clearly don't speak, but you're speaking it because everyone else does. What has convinced her to believe that that's what she needs to be? Society, the media, the culture, the culture. I mean, the beauty, the beauty industry. We're yeah. I was just about to add. We we're taught that we're supposed to get stuff sucked out of one place and put in another. That is normal. We're taught that if our lips aren't big enough, we need to get them injected. We're taught that if our hair, because our hair is not straight enough, we need to buy more. And even if our hair is straight and thick and beautiful, we need to add more even regardless. Like that's what we're taught. And, and that's what we're taught since we're children. So I, sorry to say, like, I, I understand why women, but I feel that it is also our job once we kind of wake up to be able to say, you can do whatever you want, but just love yourself. Let's let's learn how to love ourselves. Let's learn, like teach yourself how to love yourself. We all have to go through it. Teach, like teach and be open to learn. We about to say, Aaron. So the, so, and you're correct. We do learn from the, from the culture, but we live in, understand where you live. This is America. This is a capitalistic country. Everything revolves around money. If it was, if it didn't, the Super Bowl commercial ads wouldn't be so much. We do control the access that the social media has to our minds and our brains. We control that. We can control it within our household. But this country works on money. When my son asked me, why is this guy selling paintings? And he killed a young black man. What's the young black man with the hoodie? What's his name? Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. That conversation with my son was very difficult, but I explained it in the way of capitalism. And I want him to understand 
This is a first degree murder charge. We looked it up. First degree, second degree, third degree. And we even went over manslaughter. And I said, son, the minute they said first degree, I know it's going to be free. But let me say this. Let me say, Aaron, you bring up an interesting point, brother. George Zimmerman selling paintings is not his fault. It's ours. Mm -hmm. George Zimmerman should not be walking. Mm. If we can go into the inner cities in D.C., Detroit, Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, Little Rock, Arkansas, Phoenix, Arizona, and the list goes on, and slaughter Mm. anybody who looks like us for something as slight, as us looking at them the wrong way or stepping on their shoe or bumping into their shopping cart at the supermarket, how is George Zimmerman still walking? Yep. And don't use Jesus as a reason for our cowardice. <laughs> that part right there. Yeah. So, man, listen. When we talk about <laughs> We did bring that up last week. We were talking about, you know, pretty much where you put your money can determine the direction that we move. And I think that that's where, if we're going to talk about anything, it should be that. Where we put our money as a people Mm -hmm. can determine how we live and how we are perceived. Period. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the quickest way to destroy any group of people is to pervert them to the point in which they become the instruments to their own destruction. Yeah. And if that's happened to anyone, it's happened to us. It Society has convinced black women, the most beautiful species of woman ever, that they're not. Mm. And convince other races that... Mm. They're the thing to be. (laughs) Be clear. Do not. Something is wrong. Something is seriously wrong. And I think that broken women need to stop talking to broken women about what it takes to be fixed. So, so, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Emma. I, I think there are phases of therapy and guidance and sometimes broken needs to talk to broken and then broken gets ready to talk to heal. I don't think you should discriminate against broken talking to broken. No, I'm not discriminating. Yeah, I'm not using it from a discriminatory, okay. discriminatory perspective, Dr. Emma. But when I say that, I mean, there also has to be some room for healed. Oh, okay. And and that's what I'm saying. There has to be some room for you. You mean ratchet on ratchet on ratchet? Yeah, ratchet on ratchet on ratchet on ratchet. I mean, you know, um, you know, India Ari a few years ago was condemned because, you know, evidently a photographer took a photograph of her in a light that made her appear to be lighter than she actually is. And they're like, oh, you know, India Ari is this, that, and you know what I'm saying, blah, blah, blah. But her music, the content of her lyrics and the delivery of what she's trying to do and, you know, the version of black femininity that she's choosing to demonstrate was overlooked. But Cardi B can go on the Grammys and literally strip on top of a piano and damn near masturbate. But we're okay with that. That's fine. And Cardi B, What are you talking about? Yeah, like that's okay. We're, we're, We're okay with that. 
Make that make sense. Well, let me ask you this, and I, and I, and I want to get each of your perspectives, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, um, what's important is our unity, building our community, making sure that, um, you know, the next generations learn better that we create. Because uh, I, I read somewhere that this is the first generation that's going to be worse than the previous generation. Mm-hmm. Every generation before us has has produced uh, people children that were better than the generations before them. This next generation is the only generation that's going to be worse off. So what can we do? Because it starts in the home. It starts with love. It starts with what we instill in our children, but it also it, it starts with what we do with one another as man and woman. And I'm not talking about same sex or anything like that. I'm talking about black man, black woman. What can we do to love each other better? How do we come together? Um, what should we do to uh, build, you know, strong communities for our families? And I'll start, with, I'll start with. Let me start with Dr. Emma. Yeah, yeah go, Dr. Emma. I think every every person is an island and has has is a farmer. Let, let me put it this way. And they have a piece of territory or influence that has been given to them by their associations, by their family, by the people they know. If you're looking to save the world, you'll never save your own house. So plant the seeds in the in the ground that you have in the people that you know and they will multiply it when we say we have to change the world those words frighten anybody uh, you, you know, i have a hard time getting on streamyard so my point is <laughs> work work in the in the in the ground in the place where god has given you influence and if we do it correctly the people that benefit from us that are in our ground they will go out and multiply the seed mm. so you begin where you are and you mentor and you tutor other people so they can go out jesus had 12 disciples not a million 12 it was enough mm. he had other people that but it was enough one of them was a traitor Peter was the thug. He, he was always going to get in a fight. James and John wanted to know what position they had in heaven. D- you understand? And Thomas doubted, and he walked with them for three years. So out of 12, six of them, you know, were suspect. But it was enough. Mm-hmm. So it's not the number you have. It's the influence you have on those that are in your thing. Ooh, that's good. Miss April Sampay, what do you think? I think that we should communicate who we are and who we would like to communicate with. And what I mean by that is if you're in a relationship, woman, man, man, woman, whoever you're in a relationship with, communicate to them what you want out of that relationship. Mm. Um, Communicate to them what you are bringing to the relationship. Mm-hmm. And communicate to them when you are not at your best and you can't deliver your 50%, your 20%, your 90% and ask them if they can pick up the slack where you're at your lowest. Mm. That's good. That's good. That's what, about, what about you, Aaron? Um, if I were to say anything, let's continue to have dialogue uh, like Dr. Emma said. Um, your village, 
who you have surrounding you means a lot. Uh, like Sister April said, from watching the Cosby show, they just took Blackish off. They have nothing. Um, we have to work more and reach out to our children because they are the community. They are the next generation. Um, but from a relationship status, you do have to uh, be open, be honest, and have a bit of empathy and understanding. That's okay. yeah. mm -hmm. What about you, Patrick? Mine is simple. Forgive your current and future partners of the sins of your past. Say that again. Yeah, I was going to say that. Forgive your current and future partners for the sins of your past partners. Oh, all right. That, that is so true. Yeah. You know, and this is for the men, and I'm, I'm going to get, get y'all off of here. Um, they say that there is, uh, you know, a, what, 12 to 1 ratio of, of women to men. You guys have your pick of the litter. Women, abundance of women compared no, to men. Um, <coughs> is that true? No. Is it good quality? No. Women? No. What, no. what do you no. say? Oh, shit. Y'all said that fast. Tell me. I, I see a lot of Benzes with bad engines, bad transmissions. Uh, yeah. I, I see I see people who have been pro women who have been programmed to look like an avatar and a model. And that's not what an actual woman looks like. The majority of people within my circle like a woman who has natural beauty. If I can see where your wig line is at, that's not good. I'm just, um, you're asking what men think, but people have to know how you keep yourself together. I've seen where women wear wigs and you can't tell. So men look for natural stuff, but the pool out there is not as great as it seems because it's a large amount, but. <sighs> and, 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 and for me, if, if it's exhausting being around you, mm. I can't be with you. Like, I don't. I mean, damn, man. I mean, sometimes I just want to wake up in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I just want to wake up in the morning, put on a T-shirt, some pajama pants, some slippers, have a cup of coffee and chill. Thank you. I don't want to be exhausted by what you perceive that I need to do. Like, oh, I don't have time for that. That's exhausting. So, no, the pool is not that The pool is not that large. And then I'm going to be honest with you, many of the women aren't that bright. And I just, you know, I, I'm just not really interested in that. Well, tell us what you really think. <laughs> well, I think what Patrick said was when you marry young like I do, you focus from the waist down. When you get to maturity, you focus from the shoulders up. Talk and that's that everything in between sexy. Exactly. Right. Right. Well, I'm focusing on the whole thing. <laughs> I need a little bit of both. I need a good balance of all of it. <laughs> but Constance, you do realize that um, this, this is another show. You do realize that the body doesn't really work void of the mind. Absolutely right. Exactly. Absolutely right. Right. So you guys have been so awesome. I'm going to let you get off of here. It's been almost two hours. Did you guys, uh, Before we get off, though, um, I want them to know where they can follow you, how they can uh, be friends with you, what you guys got going on, what do you guys have going on in the world, and how can they follow you? Uh, we'll start, start with you, Dr. Emma. Well, they can follow me on Facebook, uh, Dr. Emma A. Pendleton, 
and I am currently in in a re a, a re up of my a re up. So that's all the information I can give you at this time. Okay, re up. Mm -hmm. I, I'm in a re up. All right. Dr. M is also a coach. Yes, I am. That's true. Yes. Can you tell I, us a little I, bit about that? Oh, I'm sorry. So for about 10 years, I've been coaching on mindset reset. Um, I take you from your pain to your passion, to your purpose, to your profit. I always believe that it began in the mind. And so I teach about trauma and drama and the comma and all of those intellectual uh, pieces that go with that flight and fight, PTSD, uh, uh, sustained trauma, immediate trauma, the reactions to trauma, the response to trauma. Um, and the comma was something I added last year. I did an article for someone. And the comma is where God intervenes, where your spirit and your faith understands that God can God can support you in fixing this. Of course, I've had a therapist, so it doesn't mean that I only believe, but I believe that God has endowed man with many gifts. And I'm, I think Aaron said, yes, I pray and I, I have a therapist uh, because I can't teach this without unloading myself. Mm -hmm. You know, therapists have to have therapists yeah. because the human experience and dealing with people about their innermost feelings and why they do what they do, what they do takes a lot of energy and a lot of empathy, not sympathy. Sympathy says, oh, I'm so sorry for you. Empathy says, I feel it. Yeah, I feel it. And it takes a lot. So that's my that's my major thing that I've been doing for the last since 2013 when I started my business, which is soar, surmounting obstacles, achieving results. And you and they can follow you on Emma Pendle, Emma S. Pendleton. Yes. Facebook. Yes. All right, Dr. Emma. What about you, Ms. Sampe? You can follow me at everywhere, uh, April Sampe. You can go to aprilsampe.com. What events. do you do? Um, a little bit of everything. I sing. I am a, a speaker. I have a company called Veg Out and Dine. I teach people how to go vegan. And um, I have a company called Ugly. Ugly stands for Understand God Loves You. We have a podcast where we talk about all things, all women, uh, I guess you can say issues. It's called Ugly Girl Talk. You can follow me. If you can look look for it at April Sampay um, on the YouTube. Yes, the YouTube. April, real yes. quick, I just want to show you.
I'm scared of you now, April. Now I'm scared of you. Wow. Yeah. She absolutely hates when I do that. I'll never take it down. I'll always have it up. That's it. <laughs> One of the best perform. Well, hey, that's the one we were. We 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 were at the vegan fest uh, a few months ago, and I, that was my recording and editing. So she didn't like she didn't like my recording and editing skills. No, no, your recording and editing skills are absolutely amazing. I have to give you give it to you. You are flipping awesome. I did that, but you are. All right, Mr. Aaron, tell us about where they can find you. What is it that you do? Tell us a little bit about you. How they can follow you. Uh, Navy veteran uh, with A plus healthcare compliance. I do OSHA and HIPAA training, primarily for dental offices, so I'm going to be medical offices. I also teach infection control and CPR as well. Uh, my regular Facebook is Aaron Hudson Page. I am wholeheartedly believing in promoting all entrepreneurs. Constance will tell you, when you go on my page, it's nothing but other entrepreneurs, business people, and you're doing stuff positive. Because if it's positive, I'm going to post it, especially if you put it in the right format. All righty. Hey, Patrick, what about yes. you? All right. So uh, I am Patrick Garland. I'm an educator, community activist. I'm a writer. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Patrick Garland. It's, it should be easy. I'm the only one that's black. Uh, you can find me on Instagram under I2AmHuman, H-U-E-M-A-N. Um, and, uh, Constance, I'm very honored to have been here with all of you today. So Patrick is, Patrick is a consummate poet. He's a mm -hmm. musician. He's also yes, a singer yes. as well. I've heard yes. all of them. Yes. Yeah. So and April, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by you, man. I, I can't wait to, 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 to see you and hear more of your stuff. Patrick used to sing background for D'Angelo. Yes. Thousand years ago. <laughs> thousand years ago yeah so we have a great ensemble tonight uh just just kicking you know what black men think black women think um our approaches on different things and we're all from different generations all yeah. from different walks of life some of us are single some of us are married some of us are widowed some of us are divorced um but we all have different opinions um and we all love black people i think that's our i think that's our common core theme is that we all love black people we all love our community we all want to see us progress and do better Mm -hmm. um, and that's what this is about. That's what generational wealth is. It's a holistic experience. It's not just about money, but it's about every single thing that we can do to build our community. So we appreciate you guys for tuning in. You guys have stuck it out with us. It's been a lot of people watching for a long time. We've been on here two hours, two Whoa. hours. But you guys have y'all stuck it out, thugged it out with us. And we appreciate you. This has been a, such a rich and, and great dialogue. And I appreciate all the people that uh, that were on here with us. Be blessed.